and should have backed it one more time. Uh, what a week it's been in racing. Where do we start? We'll go and introduce the boys first. So our punting expert, Phil Georgios, how are you? Going very well, uh, Corbet, and good to see Big V. Unfortunately, I think I have to pick myself up off the canvas after last week, but I think this card looks like one we can attack pretty aggressively at Caulfield, so looking forward to it. I feel like there's a temptation to say that on this show every week, but don't worry, we, there will be no audio reprisals from previous shows this week. I'm sure you're both pretty happy with that. Our racing editor, or News Corp's racing editor, and our racing expert, Chris Sanuccio, how are you? Yeah, I'm going pretty good, probably better than Phil. He uh, copped a couple of tough beats on the weekend, Wishlaw Lass and Buona's Notches, but a lot of talking points from the weekend. Looking forward to talking about them. Well, he's, he's just thrown you under a bus there, Phil. Uh, that'll be uh, handy. I hope you keep that in mind when we get to our segment on uh, the ride on Jimmy Starr. We'll get to that a bit shortly. Uh, I will let you uh, open the batting here, Phil. Uh, just a quick summary of last week. Um, the three the three big winners, of course, were Imperatrice, Fangirl and Riff Rocket. What did you make, especially the big mares returning? Yeah, well, fortunately, this was part of the day and it was a very quick part of the day um, that I did okay in and Gee, how good was Fangirl? Uh, what a return, over 1,400. We probably expected her to win, but to be honest, she won a little bit like Winx used to win. It was just casual as you like, cruising up around the outside and just James McDonald did not have to move on her. So you'd expect her to come back and be very dominant this autumn and, and probably into the spring. I mean, we know, we know we don't want to forecast too far into the future, but gee, she came back like a horse that had really, really hit her straps. And yeah, look, excited to see what she can do moving forward. Uh, Imperatrice, yeah, well, she got the job done. Over a 1,000, we thought she would. But I tell you what, when Private Eye hit, um, jumped out of the gates and, and took an early lead, I thought this is actually a challenge for Imperatrice because my concern with Private Eye is it might just be done for pace early and have to be, be wanting for a couple extra metres at the end. But, gee, it, it stuck on well as well. So, yeah, all, all honours Imperatrice, Private Eye, great second. And the eye catcher, of course, was Espiona that ran into third, as forecast by uh, Big V himself last week on the podcast. I might leave that last race uh, to Big V because I know he had a little bit more in play emotionally. So uh, he might be able to give us a summary about how that, that rolled out. But needless to say, Riff Rocket, um, another a great return over 14. Yeah, we don't often see the uh, Derby winner come back uh, as, as as promisingly like that in the in the autumn summer uh, racing carnival, do we, Big V? No, we don't. I have to concede that I took him on. I even left him out of my top four, so I'm looking quite foolish doing that. But I, just, I think that he won the Derby on class. I mean, there's a lot of talk that he's probably more of a miler, 2,000-metre type horse. And um, unfortunately, another best bet runner placing. I was on King Colorado. I think from the CSAs, they're the two horses you want to take out of that race going towards the Australian Guineas. I think the horses that finish behind them are going to find it difficult to turn the tables on them. Still haven't decided which way I'm going to go between the two. I'll just wait till the fields come out and, and make my decision then. And I think V8 is the only horse away from that form line that I could also entertain for the, the Guineas. And Bird Dad might be the one to follow if they're going towards the Alistair Clark stakes at the Valley at the 2040 metres. All right, boys, we'll move next to the uh, 
what has to be one of the biggest talking points of the week, which is one of the other races on the undercar, but it did feature the Colt up-and-coming horse, Jimmy Starr. Now, I have to wonder whether Jimmy Starr's price was affected by the fact that uh, he was included as a wild card in the All-Star Mile, so maybe maybe you boys have a view on that. But it did start at $1.24. Uh, had no real option but to get uh, at the, uh, the front of the field. Savannah Cloud drove it nuts the whole race. And then it got bloused by Macron right on the line or just before the line. And Macron was paying the juicy odds of $110 plus any price you like. So uh, what's happened since then? We've seen the uh, trainer, Kieran Ma, come out and uh, and say that uh, he didn't agree with how the jockey rode the horse. Uh, and we've had the owner come out and say that basically not quite the opposite, but certainly uh going in a bat for Willow. Uh, it certainly divided the punting community and the uh, racing fans. Uh, I believe it may have divided you, just like that Seinfeld episode where uh, Kramer arranges for the owl and the squirrel to be on the same same TV set. Uh, so let's see. Uh, boys, I'll throw it over to you. Chris, I'll start with you. What was your take on all of that? Well, I think the first point I've got to dispute is, you know, Savannah Cloud and Jimmy Starr, you know, you know running each other nuts because they didn't go very fast and you know they've finished second and third so that's an indicator that there wasn't a lot of speed on it's not like one of them dropped out and finished near last so um obviously willow didn't follow instructions of craig williams to ride the horse with cover but whether it was a bad ride is a different different argument altogether i mean once the barrier is open anything can happen and jockey's got to make judgment calls and Willow was probably looking for a back to find, but no one was really showing any initiative to go forward. And so he's going to be trapped, you know, three, four wide unless he makes a decision. So he's got to decide whether he goes forward, goes back. They weren't going quickly, so he decided to push forward. He's on the best horse in the race. He wanted to take, you know, luck out of the equation. I just believe Jimmy Starr has raced a bit flat second up after a big first up performance two weeks ago. You know, as I mentioned before, it was a slow tempo. It was the slowest first 800 of the 1,400 metres on the day. And so the, the run hasn't busted up the horse. So I, I don't think it was a terrible ride whatsoever. Yeah, well, Big V, um, on first watch, I would have I would be agreeing with you because when I first watched it, I didn't have any of the context. I just thought I'll, I'll sit down and I didn't actually see it live. I'll I'll have a good look at this race to see see what went down. And on first watch, you, you wouldn't have an issue with the ride, in my opinion. It, as you said, it was caught three or four wide. Willow made that decision to go forward. Didn't look like there was a huge amount of pace in the race. But I've got to say, um, having heard the, the the trainer report afterwards, it's just a bugbear of mine where jockeys don't listen to instructions and think that they know better than the trainer or the owners or whoever's telling them how to ride the horse. Because if your trainer's telling you, this is how I want you to ride a horse, a $1.24 pop that a lot of punters are on, and I know probably no one on this podcast were, but there were a lot of punters on at a very short price. You listen to the instructions and if that's simply just taking a, a backward step and getting in behind a couple of horses in running and that gives you a better chance to win the race and I think you need to take it. So I don't think necessarily you can look at times. It's all relative. The horses are running relative to each other, not other races that are occurring. So just because other races were run at different tempos doesn't impact whether this race, how the resu- this race resulted. Now, there's every wa- every reason to believe that this horse was good enough to win the way Willow rode it. I mean, it went forward, as you say. Only one went past it. Did happen to be 150 to 1. Um, boosted uh, Corbet's Cotty there, I think. But uh, 
in the end of the day, if you're not listening to instructions, you, 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 you're completely you're lost to me. Um, particularly in that context, I understand jockeys, hard, it's hard when you're a jockey on a horse and you've got to make split-second decisions, but that felt like an easy one given what, what he'd been told pre-race. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I did hear Kiramar say on SEN track that, explaining why he was frustrated because he said the horse was out of his comfort zone. But I, I wanted someone to explain if a horse is going at a certain speed as a leader if he's going at that same speed in another race but he's running midfield what's the difference i mean good horses perform out of their comfort zone we saw imperatrice do that in the manicado when she led and won and we saw that with private eye on the weekend as you mentioned phil in the in the lightning he was out of his comfort zone leading and and taking on imperatrice up front and i just i I'm not convinced he would have won the race if he was taken back to back to the field because how how much slower would he have had to go and then how much and then how much faster would he have had to go in the in his last six hundred to try and catch, you know, slow leader. So I mean Sabana Cloud would have probably gone even slower. And I reckon he probably finishes behind Sabana Cloud if he goes further back. Yeah, I mean um, we won't know that. I mean, you could argue a horse at a dollar twenty-four should win in any spot that is put in a race, whether or not um, it should just be better than the other horses. But horses do race to patterns, and when they're taken out of that pattern, it can actually have a huge effect on how they run. And you you raise the point about pace in the front of the field compared to the back of the field. Well, the difference is the horses in front of you are doing more work or have done more work to get there, so you've got that opportunity to use your your strengths, and in this case, Jimmy Star, obviously they feel it's best positioned in that sort of on pace, but sort of just off the lead position. It's going to be able to utilise its capability more than going out in the front facing the breeze and then getting run down on the line. So, you know, there's a reason that some horses go back. There's a reason that some horses like to bolt out in front and lead and others that like to sort of sit in the middle. And it's and I think if you try to switch that up, and particularly on race day, um, it can have a really uh, big impact on their performance. Great stuff, boys. Well, there's, uh, everyone's got an opinion on that one. I'm sure all the listeners do as well. Chris, while your mic's on, uh, we've got three big group ones this week at Caulfield, all threes. Decent undercard uh, up at Rose Hill as well. But tell us about the three group ones uh, who you think are the big chances in the Blue Diamond, the Oakley Plate and the Futurity. I'll start off with the, the Blue Diamond and... Yeah, it's a very open race. Uh, I think it's pretty tricky. Coleman looks the, the safe play. He was great first up, should improve. A lot of stable confidence. He's drawn perfectly for Ben Mallum to assess the speed and find a, a perfect spot. High, op, high octane is the X factor. I think the question mark with him is he wasn't able to to be let go in the prelude, so it's hard to assess what he's capable capable of, but you've got to respect the Snowdens in the Group 1s. Uh I think Anita and the um, and Lady of Camelot are the best of the fillies. I'm ruling out the, the fillies who are coming out of the, the previews and the preludes. Uh, moving on to the Oakley Plate, I'm sticking with Asfura. I'm not concerned about the wide barrier. I think she can tolerate high pressure as long as Mitch Aiken doesn't go crazy on her. It'll be great to see him in the Group One, and I think and I'm going to make her my best bet for the day. And I think uh, King's Gambit is a is a false favourite. The, there's some a doubt on the quality of the three-year-old sprinters, and we saw that with Cylinder and I am unstoppable in the Lightning last week. So I'm happy to be with Asfora in the Oakley Plate, 
And finally, in the Futurity, I expect Mr. Brightside to be winning, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't put them away. He's coming off a big first-up run, and that was and that was only two weeks ago. So I think he could be a bit flat second up, but still be good enough to win. And with Buffalo River and Hey Fat Cat in the race, that won't ensure that there's a, an easy tempo here. And I'm, I'm struggling to, to find out why Hey Fat Cat is allowed to take his place in this field. He's got ability, but he's a way out of his depth when you look at the, the handicap rating. So, um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Yeah, Big V's uh, summarised those three races pretty well, I think. Um, I will differ a little bit. Very low confidence race, the Blue Diamond. It always is. But I might stick with the Phillies just to be a little bit different to Big V. And Lady of Camelot, I think, come, comes down with some, some great credentials and form leading into the race. But, of course, we can't go past the uh, um, our, our favourite horse of the podcast, Hayasugi. Have I said that correctly this time? Whether or not I have, $19, um, you know, some good memories from from previous runs, and I certainly will have a little bit on her just in case she pulls off a miracle and gets the job done. Uh, in the Oakley Plate, uh, I'm a Asphora is the best horse in the race. I think $5.50 is pretty good for the best horse in the race, although the Oakley Plate is always a challenging one. But I'll probably have my main bet on Benedetta, the horse I've followed um, throughout its career, Rarely runs a bad race. Goes really well first up. Um, 1100s uh, just about its perfect distance as well. So at double figure odds, happy to have a little two-way play in the Oakley Plate. And yeah, I think for the Vaturity, I agree with Big V almost um, word for word. Mr. Brightside's the obvious. And at $1.50, there's a reason for that. I uh, don't see myself having a bet in that particular race. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Phil, I actually heard some uh, racing broadcasters Butcher. There's more than one Japanese name in the Blue Diamond, and I heard some broadcasters get that wrong. Uh, a couple of the other names as well, so you'll, you'll enjoy that. Uh, is there anything else from around the country you like coming up this Saturday that we should keep an eye out for? Well, um, probably my best bet at Caulfield comes up in the second race, um, Midtown Boss. So it's 3.20 this time. Uh, last time got beaten at odds on um, at I believe it was at Caulfield as well. But I think at $3.20, similar class, similar field, good starting price um, sort of uh, profile there. Looks to be, again, the one to beat in that race and we're getting much better spoil than we did last time. Uh, over in Sydney, I'm very keen to see how Tom Kitten goes second up in the Hobartville. Uh, it ran on okay in its first up run, but I can see it improving sharply into that race. And if you are getting that three, four dollar mark, I will be keen to play with it. And just as a little outsider, I know you, you like a little bit of value, John. Um, I'll probably butcher this name as well, but well, but race nine, number seven in, at Randwick, Renosu, um, is thirteen dollars. Finished fourth last start, but that was beaten and nosed, believe it or not, in a four-way go. Will improve sharply as well. Second up, I believe, has great second up form and in the same class. So very happy to play at around that $13 mark there. Chris, same question. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to unload on Asfura. I think she's a, a one of the good things. I, I agree with Phil with, uh, about Midtown Boss. But the race I'm keen to watch it as well is the Autumn Classic. I think it's a fascinating race with United Nations coming up favourite after a, a huge debut win from last. He's probably got to re repeat that, drawing barrier 9 of 11. 
but he's up against tougher opposition here. So I, I'm just going to – it's just a watch race for me, but I'm keen to see how he goes because if he can win – if he can win considering the, the race shape he's going to get, you know, he could be the real deal. All right, boys. Final furlong time this week. We mentioned Macram earlier winning at any old odds. I'd just like to get your uh, your take on a, on a really big blowout win from the past, from back going into the back catalogue. Phil, we might start with you. Yeah, well, um, when you when you raised this on the agenda, Corbs, I was um, looking at some old Packenham maidens that a couple of mine got up at about a hundred to one in, but I don't think that would have quite hit your um, hit your 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 point here. But the most obvious one, and the one that sprung to mind immediately, without having thought about it too much, was of course Prince of Penzance in the twenty fifteen Melbourne Cup, getting over at a about a hundred to one when um, Frankie Dettori decided to knock over half the field and Michelle Payne made a name for herself and then a subsequent movie. So if you're looking for a boil over that um, made it to the movies, that's probably the highest profile one I can remember. Well, I wish I could say Lord of the Sky would be my um, my boil over in the TJ Smith, but uh, unfortunately got nutted by Chautauqua. But I'll go back to the 2007 Emirates Stakes when Tears I Cry defeated Weekend Hustler to stage an enormous upset in that race. And it was also Kieran Ma's first Group 1 win as a trainer. Some excellent choices there, boys. All right, Phil, take us out. As always, good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly. (laughs) 